right, well, everyone, good morning. We're going to just jump right into the word this morning. So if you got your Bibles, where are we going? Uh, no, man, no, Ephesians. Come on, y'all, where are you? Where have you, where have you been the last 11 weeks? <laughs> I changed it up a little bit because there's certain, some people that go, you take a long time to review. So I went, okay, well, we'll change it up here a little bit. I'm going to review through a different scripture. How's that? So if you go with me, hello, is this me? It's not me, it's you. Still me? Check, one, two, am I okay now? I think they're just adjusting because Pastor Marlene used this microphone. And I have a more raspier, deeper, manlier voice than she does. Can you all hear it? You know, has anybody ever heard themselves on a recording before? You think you sound a certain way and then you play it back, you go, yeah, that's me. I really thought that I had this, like deep, dangerous, manly voice. And then I heard it, I was like, really? That's what y'all got to hear every week. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry about that. If I can change it up a little bit, I'll uh, I'll work on it, you know? I'll do my best. But uh, this is what you get. So Lord, use these vocal cords (laughs) to bless. All right, well, this this past while, we've heard this phrase over and over again from Luke 15, so you were correct. And it's just this, you are home now. Jesus, because of his sacrifice and what he accomplished for us, you and I have heard these beautiful words, your, it's on the screen, correct? Your home now. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is what you've heard. When you came in through, the, through Jesus, you heard all of heaven so celebrating, you're home now, you're home now. And the party continues and they are still glad that you're home now. Right? It's not like they get tired of you as time goes on. No, there's this deep love, and they're just the Father is thrilled that you're home now. And I want you to see this in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read a few verses here. But it says, therefore, now a lot of times what you're going to see is remember. I'm so thankful that God gave us a memory, and you see a lot of times in the Word that we are t- called to recall or to remember. It's crucial that you and I remember things. Right? Now he says here, remember... That at one time, you Gentiles, now who is a Gentile? Me, meaning an uncircumcised one, means that you don't have a covenant with God in the Old Testament that you were basically, you were called uncircumcised, right? That wasn't a good thing, right? That means you have no covenant with God. So by birth, uh, you were called uncircumcision by those who called themselves circumcision, itself a mere mark, which is made in the flesh by human hands. He says, remember that at that time, you were separated from Christ. You were excluded from any relationship with him. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise. This is where you were. You were what? A stranger to the covenant of promise which, again, with uh, no share in the sacred messianic promise and with no knowledge of God's agreements, having no hope in his promise and living in the world without God. Verse 13, I got to love this. But now. Come on, shout out with me. But now. So you're, I thank God that your story doesn't end in verse 11 and 12. But now, verse 13, it says, at this very moment, Christ Jesus, or in Christ Jesus, you who were once were very far away from God have been brought near, how? By the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace and our bond of unity. 
he made both groups, Jew and Gentile, into one body and broke down the barrier, that dividing wall. Verse 15, he did this by abolishing in his own crucified flesh the hostility caused by the law with its commandments uh, contained in ordinances which he satisfied. So that in himself, in Jesus, he might make the two into one new man, thereby establishing peace. And that he might reconcile them, both Jew and Gentile united, in one body to God through the cross, thereby putting the death to death the hostility. And he came, and what did he do? He preached the good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away. And he also preached the good news of peace to those Jews who were near. So we both got to hear the same gospel. I'm so thankful for that. Because up to the Old Testament, man, you and I had nothing to do with this. Verse uh, 7 or 18, it says, For it is through him that we both have a direct way to approach in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens or outsiders without the rights of citizenship, but you are fellow citizens with the saints or God's people, and you are members of God's household. That's who we are. Say it, I'm a member. Okay, I'm part of God's house. So now verse 21 and 22, I want you to see this. Now this entire building is under construction. Can you say that with me? Under construction. Who's under construction? We are, but if we can individualize it as well, I am. We are as a church. The church in general is under construction Um, and is continually growing. How is it growing or where is it growing? Under the law? Under religious ordinances? Under the Ten Commandments? No, it's growing under His supervision. Grace causes growth. The law does not. So we're growing under His supervision, and His supervision is grace. He's a great supervisor. Until... We rise up completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. This means that God is transforming each one of you into the holy of holies, his dwelling place through the power of the spirit living inside of you. So again, we've heard this phrase, you're home now. So we have to realize that I am under construction. Say that with me. I am under construction. This is what we are. We are under construction and we are growing under his supervision. Now, remember we read before in Galatians 4.19, the apostle Paul really laying out to the churches in Galatia. He's saying they fell back into the law again, trying to make something happen in their efforts. Remember the law is a cul-de-sac. You just keep going round and round and round around the mountain. There's no escaping this cul-de-sac. So what Paul or what Jesus, I mean, through his shed blood and what he did at his sacrifice, he got a way out of this cul-de-sac so you could start living free on the highway again. That's what he's called you to. And now Paul, again, he says through his church to the church, he says, I'm literally going through birth pains again to see the image of Christ being formed in you. Now, anybody ever been in a birthing room before? Yeah, not me giving birth. My wife does that. I don't. But in that room, as labor comes, 
man, she's a champ. Like, I, like people, honestly, the, the nurses were like, she's, are she going through another contraction? Yeah. And she's just like, bring it on. I'm like, it kind of scared me because I go, she could kick my butt. She could beat me up. But in stories and things like that, you actually hear, what does it sound like? There's this intensity that comes along with it. Again, I've never experienced it, so I'm not trying to bring it down to just my level of understanding. I know it's intense, but this is what Paul is saying. He's like, to get the image of Christ form you, it feels as if I'm going through these birthing pains again with you. For what purpose? For your life to be formed into the image of Jesus. So a part of this growth, I mean, enjoy the growth process, but through it, there's going to be some birth pains. It's going to feel like, man, when is this going to be, oh, when is this going to be over? This, is, this is, feels like a lot. It's supposed to, because what's dying? Joel is dying regularly. Until what? The image of Jesus is being seen. So have you had labor recently? Have you been going through some labor recently? It hurts so good because you're giving birth to life. And what is that life? It's the life of Jesus being seen on the inside of you. Again, we have to recognize that we are under construction. So, of course, there's grace for one another in this. But if you're just kind of going through this Christian life going, well, I'm I'm good the way that I am. Trust me, you're not. We prefer some labor pains going for you at the same time. Yeah. Okay. Don't look at your spouse. Just keep your eyes ahead. Just keep, keep looking ahead. All right. And the next thing that we have to understand is you've come home now. Remember, this is all the whole, the whole premise of this. You're home now. And so part of being home now is the image of Joel is being burned up so that the image of Jesus can be revealed. So yeah, there are times when it's uncomfortable, but hey, welcome home because God has got so much in store for you that he'd like to burn this off so that you can reach your maximum potential that he's placed on the inside of you. I don't know about you, but that's what I'm after. I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant at the end of my life, right? So this is Christianity 101 right here, okay? The next thing that we have to realize is, again, the purpose of this is that we, again, look like Jesus. And here's a scripture to prove it, Romans 8, 29 and 30. It says, for he knew all about us before we were born, and he destined for you and I from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. Say with me, become just like him. Become just like him. Becoming, I'm on my way. This is where I'm going. This is the journey that I'm on. So once I accepted Jesus, it does not stop there. You are now in a lifelong journey of becoming just like him. Not more, we need a better version of you. There is no better version of you. The world will say, reinvent yourself. Into what? Apart from him, we have nothing. We is nothing. We're ugly. I recognize this even as a church. Anything that you love and you're like, man, I just love what God is doing in this church family. Guess who it is? Him. Anything that you may not like and you kind of go, oh, I don't like that. Guess what? It's us. We know that very clearly. God is good and everything he does is amazing. So this is what we're destined to. Verse 30. Having determined our destiny ahead of time, he then called us to himself and he transferred his perfect righteousness to us. Uh, and then those who possess this righteousness, he co-glorified with his son. Thank you, Jesus. So you are well equipped. You have been given everything you need to become just like Jesus. Right? So you're not lacking in anything here. Now again, for you and I, 
having to realize this high calling that we have, we're here to be kingdom expressions to this earth. That's the call. So as we shed off less and less Joel and look more and more like him, the purpose of that is to be an expression of light, an expression of the kingdom everywhere I go. So let me ask you this question, but where do I begin in being a kingdom expression on this earth? Where does it start? Where does this labor begin? It begins with changing the way that I think. I could ask you a question like this as well. What's hindering the kingdom to have expression on this earth? A son or daughter whose mind is not aligned with home. This takes out, well, God will just do what he wants to do. Well, he will get the job done, but it's not going to do how you think. He is going to use you and I to get the job done. I've just simply said, Lord, I'm in. I've responded to the call. I hear what you're saying. And I don't want to just sit back at home and watch everybody else do it. You go ahead. I'm going to just go sit on the couch for a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of done. You know, I've, I'm good. I'm good. And just kind of coast through life. No, Lord, you've touched my life in such a profound way that I want the world to know who you are, how good you are. So, Lord, here's my life. And I'm allowing, I'm, basically, I'm allowing these birth pains to come. Lord, change the way that I think so that I align with home so that I could be a vessel of honor in this earth for you. Anybody else interested in this? Am I talking? Okay. How about the rest of you? Are we just coasting? We just play church. We kind of just do churchy things. I mean, just hold on till Jesus comes back. There is an end time people that God is raising up in these days that will know him and will know how to function on behalf for him. I'm saying yes. And that's the whole purpose of what impact life church is for. I believe that's why God has entrusted to us more and more. Thank you for your excitement. Now, church, it's time that we get affected or infected by Jesus. We have to be affected by him. And that's Acts chapter 4, 13. Again, remember those religious leaders, they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And what did they do? They learned that they were untrained or uneducated men. They saw their boldness. And what does it say? They began to understand the effect that Jesus had on him simply by spending time with him. It's all about Jesus. The revelation of Jesus is the great inheritance to the church. How is Jesus literally building his church? He builds it with himself. Okay. The church is founded on what revelation? How is the church founded? Meaning, how is the church secure? How does someone come into the kingdom of God? What's the revelation that we all came in by? Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And we acknowledged his lordship. So anyone who calls on the name of the Lord saying Jesus is Lord, they've entered through the narrow gate called Jesus, and they've now entered into total freedom that he's given. But this it doesn't just stop there. Now it's Jesus is Lord over my family. Jesus is Lord over my body. Jesus is Lord over my mind. Jesus is Lord over my marriage, my children. Everything involved, it's Jesus is Lord. In fact, that's how you even tell the difference between a false spirit, one from the Antichrist, or you know it's a true spirit, if they can confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and he came in a human body. 
That's how you tell the difference. Well, I hear all these different types of prophecies and oh, that influence over there, man, he's doing amazing things. Can he say Jesus is Lord? Because if he can't, pay no attention to it. That's how you tell if it's right or wrong. So we all came through this foundation, right? Okay, Ephesians 1.17. And this again is the prayer that the Holy Spirit gave to the church. What the apostle Paul saw is not limited to him. It's for the whole body of Christ to get. And he wrote it down and he penned these words. So I encourage you, don't let a day go by that you aren't praying Ephesians chapter 1, 17 through 23. I'm going to just give you the first verse. But he says, I always pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you what? A spirit of wisdom and revelation. I like how the Amplified adds that gives you a deep and personal and intimate insight into the true knowledge of him. Why? Because we know the father through the son. So more than anything, I mean, you find a few prayers in the word of God, and this is, they all come in line with this, that you actually see him. You have to be infected by him. Because listen, again, we talk and we knew what the season that we just came out of. And people would take these little tests and they go, oh, I got infected with the disease. And so I must have been infected by somebody because I was around them. Well, the only way to be infected or affected by Jesus is I got to be around him. So if we were to give you like a breathing, like if there's a natural breathing thing so that we could see, hey, have you been around the Lord this past week? And you... Breathe into this thing and we can measure how far and how affected you were by him. What would it look like? I've been kind of busy, you know, this past week. Lots going on with the kiddos. Okay. But that's the problem. And that's the major problem in the church is that we try to be like God apart from God. All right. Now, now let's turn with me. Go to John 15. So since I've received this high call, this privilege of being a light expression through my deep intimacy with Jesus, I have to cultivate a lifestyle of abiding. This doesn't just become a devo once in a while. I, I did my morning devos and I just go off and do my thing at work. It now becomes the way I live where the word of God is not just something I read for 10 minutes and you know, kind of pass my little, go off my little journal, I'm good now. It becomes now the very source. I'm constantly thinking, how does home think about this situation? The word is like, whatever the home thinks, what the word thinks, this is my final authority. If the word says this, okay, this is how I'm thinking. This is how I'm going. Really what we're doing, we're just training ourselves. This is how I think. So a thing comes up. What do I go to? What does home think? A situation comes across my path. What do I have to do? Oh man, what what am I going to do? What am I going to do? No, 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 stop. What does the home have to say? All of a sudden, you know, somebody says something about you. What does the home have to say? This is the thought that I have. What does home have to say? You have to constantly train yourself to start thinking this way. What does home say? Because you've heard your home now. Come on, y'all, have you heard that? Because if you haven't, I get why we're not spending time in this. But if you've heard these words, your home now, you can't live in this home saying, I have opinions. God, hey, Father, thanks for inviting me home. You know, I saw a few things in your word. And uh, can we talk about some of that? Because I don't know if I totally agree with some of those things. That's not going to happen. Because what happens in the home, what says in the home, what thinks is in the home, that's what it is. God, if he's never asked me in my whole relationship with him, he's never had, Joel, what, 
um, would you like to change anything in the word? Would you like to change it? Is there anything that you don't like that we could maybe talk about? And let's, let's reason together about some of these issues. Never. He's Lord, meaning I'm not. So if he's Lord, that means I come and I go, that's what you say? Yes, sir, I agree. And your mind might be going, rah, 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 rah. no, I don't care. Shut up, mind. That's what he says. That's what it is. Thank you. I adopt that thinking into my mindset. This is where abiding comes into play. So we're not just doing this once in a while. It becomes in now a cultivated lifestyle of what does the word say? So I want to read these verses again to us. John 15, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit. Again, we read it. He takes away and every branch that continues to bear fruit, he repeatedly prunes. Can you say that with me? Repeatedly prunes. Snip, snip, snip. Repeatedly. So why does he do that? Because he's mad at you? Why does he do it? So that you will bear even more richer and finer fruit. That's the whole heart. Is more coming out of you and I. Woo! Verse 3. Now he goes on to say how he does it. You are already clean because of the word which I have discussed with you. Now, again, I want to interject like I did last week. I have found a verse for this. But again, most of the time, what the Lord talks to us about is what we already may know. Now, that does not mean that that's the end of the conversation and there's just no depth to the relationship. It may, it may be that you and I have to have a different attitude towards our hearing. What do we want to hear? You can see that in 2 Timothy chapter 4. talks about in these end times that what's going to happen in these last days that there will be people looking. They have itchy ears. So they're looking for messages or they're looking to hear what they want to hear. Well, in my relationship with the Lord, I'm coming to realize there are some things that maybe I, I want to hear. And then there's some things that I don't necessarily want to hear. But the things that I don't necessarily want to hear. It's what's going to prune me for the next season that he's called me into. So am I open? Do I have a hard attitude going? Lord I'm willing to hear something. That I may not like. That may hurt really good. What does that show? It shows depth. And in Daniel chapter 10. I want you to see this verse 12. Uh, this is Daniel again talking and uh, the Lord says to him, do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart. Now notice what he did. You set your heart on understanding. You set your heart to understand. And, and you humbled yourself before God. And then he says, because of this, your words were heard and have come in response to your words. I just see before, but the prerequisite for the Lord hearing and the Lord wanting to respond to what I'm asking him, what came first? A heart that understands. I'm setting my heart to hear what he has to say. I may not like it. Y'all, I'm helping somebody out this morning. I, I may not like it, but I'm willing to hear the hard things. Why? For the purpose of more richer and finer fruit. The reason why you're only seeing and experiencing what you're experiencing and seeing is because you haven't heard anything different. 
And so you just keep going through the same thing over and over and over again when the Lord's going, I have so much. This is what he said to the disciples. There is so much that I've yet to tell you, but you can't bear it now. So when the Spirit of God comes, he's going to reveal all things to you. So right now you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you, and he knows your next step. He knows where you need to go. And listen, we talk about anointing. We talk about all those things, and that's beautiful. But what I'm really coming to realize more and more in these years is that, yes, anointing can take you places, but listening and getting the character development will keep you established in those spots. And character, guess where character is established? In hearing things that you don't want to hear. There's been things my wife has said to me that I didn't necessarily want to hear, but I tell you what, it has saved my life. It saved the, the ego. It saved the, well, how dare they? It saved the oh, hurt feeling. It saves you. So you've got to just put your position in your heart to hear some things that you may not necessarily want to hear. Hello. Amen. Okay. Continuing on, verse 4. So Jesus go on to say, he says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. And that word remain is a noun or a verb. It's a verb, meaning there's action. So it actually requires you and I to sit. Sit, stay in me. Stay, good Christian. Sit, sit down. That's good action. Sit down and remain and stay. Just as no branch can bear fruit by itself without remaining in the vine, neither can you bear fruit, produce evidence of your faith, unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. For otherwise, apart from me, that is cut off from vital union with me, you can do... Come on, we can do... <laughs> this has got to be revelation. I can do nothing. Verse 6, if anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown out like a broken off branch, withers and dies... And they gather such branches and throw them into the fire to be burned. Verse 7. But notice these words. If you. That shows me that there is contingent upon my part in this. My prayers aren't hindered necessarily all on God. It's actually more connected to me. I wish God would just answer my prayer. He did. His word has done it. What's he saying to you? If you remain in me and my words remain in you. And I love how the Amplified says, that is, if we are vitally united and my message is alive. Say with me, my message is alive. It is alive. It needs to be alive. Where? In me. It's alive in me. What does it mean for the word to be alive in me? That it's actually producing it's talking to me. It's making, helping me make decisions throughout my day. It's helping me not say what I shouldn't be talking. It's all of a sudden you walk in from work and you go and give your wife and she talks about her day and how rough it was and you go with the answer and the word says to you, shut up, just let her hug you, just hug her. It's alive on the inside of you. It's living, it's speaking. This is what he's talking about. This is the degree that we want to have the word on the inside of us. Not just, you know, I'm able, again, we said this before, that sometimes believers are 300 scriptures overweight. Meaning they got a scripture, bam, bam, bam. They can throw scriptures off just like that. But we're not talking about memorization. We're talking about actually getting it down on the inside of me where it now captivates the way that I think. Well, all of a sudden I'll be throughout my day and I go, oh yeah, Colossians 3.16. Yeah, let it, man, it's, rich, it's richly going on the inside of me. It comes up in you. That's living. 
And then he says, when you get to that point, ask whatever you wish and it's going to be done. Oh, hello. And then from this, my father, Jesus says, is glorified and honored by what? By much fruit, prayer fruit, getting the word inside of you and you declaring what you need and it's done. The father gets glorified by that. Come on. Now, why is Jesus laying this so clearly out for us? Because there is effects to abiding. You will always reflect the nature of the world that you are most aware of. So the effects of abiding, I wrote down just three for right now. Abiding affects how I see. Abiding affects how I hear. Abiding affects how I talk. And I want to take some time right now just to talk about abiding affects the way that I see. My life to take on the form of Jesus and for basically this labor to take place, I must put more emphasis on what is unseen rather than what is seen. So anybody heard these words? Your home now. How many of you heard these words? Your home now. That's a, that's great. We're having evangelistic service this morning. Okay. You've heard these words, your home now. So you've now entered into training to focus your attention on what is unseen. Church spending time with Jesus, you're going to start to understand and live by what you can't see. The church has to be dominant and clearly founded on, I know what's unseen and I believe that. We got to get there. So look at this in 2 Corinthians. Turn there with me real quick. He says, we, who again, who's the we? Who's Paul writing this letter to? He's talking to the church in Corinth. And if he's talking to the church then, he's talking to the church now. And this is the training that you and I are involved in. So we, Christians, we that have heard your home now, look not at the things which are seen. What are seen? What's seen? Sickness. Government rules. Come on, else yell at me. What do you see? Your financial book. What else is seen? Your nasty neighbor. What else is seen? The finger on the road that the guy gave you because you cut him off. What else is seen? Did I list off basically your world? Cranky? People. It's seen. It's heard. We're not to focus on what is seen. Now, thank God he gave us these senses to operate and function in this world, but they don't govern our belief system. So he says, we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen. This sounds like childhood stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You can't enter the kingdom of God unless you come in like a child. Children have an amazing memory. My son can talk to me about a game for hours that he's seeing somewhere. For the things which are visible, what are they? And I know you know this, but church, we got to get this, get this, get this. The things that we see, the money that you're currently looking at your bank account, the, the, the hard leg that's hurting right now. What are we looking, what are those things? They are temporal. They are brief and they're fleeting. But on the other hand, the things which are invisible are everlasting and imperishable. What does that mean? 
It does not change. It's impossible for it to change. The unseen world does not change. So what the Apostle Paul is presenting to you and I, right now, there are two realms right now. Not when I die to go to heaven, then the eternal takes place. No, eternal is right now. The natural is right now. And he says we're supposed to keep our eyes and focus on one of them. And sadly, a lot of times the church goes and they focus so much on what is seen. This is what's seen, so I respond to the sight. Meanwhile, that's going to change. So the reason there's a problem with that is because it's fleeting and it constantly changes. You can't put faith in it. We're trying to fight that and it's going to change again tomorrow. So how do we fight? Where do we live? We have to keep our gaze and our focus on what is not seen. How do I do that? Well, I think a good place to start is to understand how God, a spirit being in the unseen world, created everything that is seen. So that means that the spiritual world is the parent and the natural is the child. Okay? So flip with me to Genesis real quick. Genesis chapter 1. We're going to go through Genesis to Revelation today. So sit tight. Genesis chapter 1. I don't have the, it on the screen, but if you turn there real quickly with me. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But in verse 1 it says, In the beginning, God. Where is God? In what realm is he talking from? From the unseen. God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void. And it was completely dark. Verse 3. And God said... Let there be light. Verse 4. Let there be light. Verse 4. Oh, and there was light. In my Bible, verse 4, it says, And God saw. You skip down to verse 6. God said. Verse 7. And it was so. Verse 9. God said. And later on in that verse, it says, It was so. God said. Then he saw. Say it with me. God said. Then he saw. God said. Then he saw. So your words, my words, are spiritual containers. Why are you trying to produce things and try to get things into this earth without first a word? Whose word specifically? God's word. Now look at this. Go with me to John chapter 1. I need you to listen real quick. In the beginning, before all time, was... Everything starts with a word. Was the word. And the word was God, was with God, and the word was God himself. Verse 2. He, the word, was continually existing in the beginning, co-eternally with God. Verse 3. All things were made and came into existence through or we could say through Jesus. the word. And without the word, not even one thing was made that has come into being. So what do we clearly see here is that nothing was made without the word. It's, it's impossible. So now verse 14, I think I have that on the screen. God's challenge from the spiritual world was I have to become flesh to rescue mankind. How do I, God, become natural? What do I do? How do I, 
talking you and I, how do you and I take what's spiritual, like healing, for example, how do I get that out of the unseen and I bring that into a natural setting? What do you do? What's the, what's the transition that takes place from spirit to earth to natural? The word. You and I need the word. And this is why Jesus is saying, I need you to abide in me and let my words abide in you. Why? So that you can bring something from another dimension and you can bring it into this earth. That's what he needs. So Jesus is not just saying that, so be a good Christian now. I need you to know this Bible. That's very, very, very bottom line Christianity. Why does he want the word to remain and live on the inside of you? So that you can take what heaven has already provided. And now you not only receive it for yourself, but you become a distribution center of light everywhere you go. And so rather than just seeing sick people walk around, you know what God has provided. And now you are an agent from that world to bring it into pass in this world. Because he said, you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Who does the recovering? Not us. It's him. But the word is living through me. Now we see the manifestation. So what's the purpose of abiding is to change the way you see. Okay. Remember God's problem. So look at this in verse 14. So what did God do in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, the Chronicles, the Kings. What did he do? What was God doing? God was speaking and he spoke. The very first place you see Jesus is Genesis chapter 3. The seed of the woman is going to crush your head and you'll bruise his heel. The very first time Jesus is talked about in scripture. What did God start doing? Okay, I need something to come into this earth. So what did he do? He started speaking. And he said it through Moses. He said it through David. He said it through the prophets. He said it and he said it and he said it and he said it and he said it until John 1.14. And the word, spirit, became flesh and lived among us and we actually saw his glory how did we see it he heard it he saw he's god sorry god spoke it god spoke it god spoke it and it came into manifestation so it doesn't change for you and i it's the same way now turn with me real quick this is the last scripture i'll finish off with this but the bottom line to this is the word of god gives a completely different perspective you spend time abiding in this word, what one people, they could be talking about, well, I see this, 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 and this. But if you spend so much time in the word of God, it actually starts to change your paradigm. It starts to change the way you think. I'll give you an example. Romans chapter five talks about when, or sorry, James chapter one talks about, you're supposed to count it all joy when random problems come your way. Most of the world, and in brackets, Christians, when problems come, again, I can't believe this is happening again. I've went through this again, year after year. It's the same thing all the time. It never changes. God, do something. And God's going, remain in me. Let my words remain in you. And rather than looking at that constantly as a, oh, this is trying to take me out again. No, look at it. But the Bible says, you're supposed to count it all Joy. When these come, knowing this, that the trial of your faith is working for you. It's working for you. And at the end of this whole thing, the person who's been abiding sees, at the end of all this, I'll be lacking no thing. 
Well, that just sounds way off. Well, it's the reason why that seems so distant is because you're not abiding. So don't take that as, oh, I'm so bad, I'm so bad. Just go with that going, hey, there's a, there's a different picture available for you to see. Oh, I'm constantly sick, I'm constantly sick, I'm constantly sick. Well, if you spend some time in this word, it'll change your paradigm. See, a lot of times what we call, we just, we have these prayer lines come up and we kind of have in our mind these altar prayer calls as this is the, the fix all. Lay hands on me, fix it all. You can't pray for your brain to change. You have to actually take time and read what this says so that you can trade what he says for what I think and allow it to become a different thought. Because I've seen way too many people think, well, prayer doesn't work anymore. And where they got that from is bad mindsets. And we're trying to change that and change that through prayer. You can't. That doesn't sound very Christian. Well, it's Bible. God is not going to do what he's asked you to do. And God's not going to do what he's already done. So you and I, we have a part to play in this relationship. And part of that is allowing our mind to be changed. Okay? Because abiding is changing. Now, this is the last verses here. Now, I want you to see again, abiding changes perspective. It changes the way I see things. See, again, remember, again, I, this keeps coming up. But when Jesus, when he saw about to feed the 5,000 people, what did the disciples see? Great, 5,000 people we got to feed. How, how are we going to feed all these people? You see in the scriptures, what did Jesus see? Jesus saw people without a shepherd. Two totally different paradigms. How do you get that? Abiding. I can't stand that person. And you go, somebody else said, well, we love that person. How do you get to that place? Abiding. So don't overcomplicate it. They're more spiritual. No, it's just I spent more time with him. He's infected me. And when he's infected me, it now changes the way that I see. So it says here, now the king of Aram, or Syria, was making war against Israel. And he consulted with his servants, saying, my camp shall be in such and such place. So the man of God sent word to the king of Israel saying, be careful not to pass by this place because the Armenians are pulling back to there. Then the king of Israel sent word to the place about which Elisha had warned him. So he guarded himself there repeatedly. Now the heart of the king of Syria was enraged over this thing. He called his servants and said to them, will you not tell me which one of us is helping the king of Israel? One of his servants said, none of us is helping him, my Lord. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, go and see where he is so that I may send men and seize him. And they told him that he's in Dothan. So he sent horses and chariots and a powerful army there. They came by night and surrounded the city. And the servant of the man of God got up early and went out. And behold, there was an army with horses and chariots encircling the city. And Elisha's servant said to him, Oh, no, my master, what are we going to do? Now, notice Elisha's response because he had cultivated a lifestyle of abiding. He said, do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those that are with them. Well, that sounds really good, but he knew something. So then Elisha prayed and said, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see did he have eyes that saw well he, he, he saw so what's he talking about eyes where you have another set of eyes that's how you help get see what's what's the unseen your unseen eyes will see the unseen <laughs> 
opened that eyes, they see, and the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw. This is why we pray the Ephesians prayers. Lord, help me see. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire surrounding Elisha. So what does the church need? It needs to see. Because what God sees is a lot different than may what you be seeing. Well, how, how do I get that? God, just give me your eyes. Just give me your eyes. Yeah, that's, that's a great prayer to pray. Pray the Ephesians prayer. But spend time in this word. Lord, help me see how you see things. So this is the last slide I have on there. But being far away from God's word means I'm not abiding. Not abiding means I don't see the unseen. Simple. If I'm not, if I'm far away from the word, if the word, my relationship with the word is so distant and I'm trying to live this Christian life, that means I'm not abiding, correct? No, just think of this as spiritual distance. Now this no abiding in his word means I can't see what's unseen. So even though I'm a blood-bought Christian believer in Jesus, how will I live my life? I'll live my life based on what I see. Because again, I will reflect the world that I'm most aware of. And I'll just be living by how everybody else is living. If you look at somebody who's not saved and somebody who is saved, there's no difference in lifestyle. There's no difference in sight. There's no difference in belief. There's no other than Jesus is Lord. There's no difference in talk. And so what's the result? There's not much fruit. So what's the cure to that? Now flip that on the good news it would be is that when I become a child of God, I take the call and say, Lord, I'm going to abide. Your word, your word, your word. Lord, I love your word, your word, your word. What's taking place? You are training your eyes to see. And all of a sudden, a natural thing comes against you, and you go, hold on, that goes different from what I see. I see this, but I see this. This is more real. I take my authority on this. So let's just pray together and I'm done. Pastor Julian, thank you. Thank you for your patience. But church, we have to go after this. I, I, I refuse to go into this next season as a church family without seers. I'm not talking, they have to be prophetic. I'm talking about the body of Christ. You have eyes that are blessed to see. You have ears that are blessed to hear. Don't go through another day living just, I'm okay just living this old mediocre life. I'm okay with, you know, strife in my family. I'm okay with sickness coming every year at this time. I'm okay with, you know, constantly being broke and going from paycheck to paycheck. I'm okay not being blessed. Stop that. Man, there's a whole nother world for you to see. And how what's gonna get you there? His word. So Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus that you would give unto us Come on, shout that out. Give unto me. Come on, y'all, shout it. Give it unto me more than anything else. What do I want? I want a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. That the eyes of my heart would be flooded with light that I would know. I want to know some things. I want to know why you called me. I want to know what the inheritance you put in me. And I want to know the power that you've placed on the inside of me because I believe in Jesus. Man, that's what the church is all about. I believe this, and I declare this over you, church family. Your eyes are opened. Come on, declare that my eyes are opened. My eyes are opened. Woo! That's who we are. We are the seeing church. We don't see as the world sees.
We don't see as religion sees. We see as he sees. And when we see what he sees, woo, bring it on. Devil, you are a loser. Now, is anybody here that has never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? I want to make sure that you've not heard these words. You're home now. If you've never done that, would you just quickly just shoot up your hand? I want to just see you real quick. Anybody here? I want to make sure. Everybody know? You're home now. You've heard that? Throw your hand up in the air. I'm home now. Shout it. I'm home now. Man, that's where I am. And you're home now. You see. Amen. Pastor Julian, come on up, sir. Thank you, Pastor Joel.